what the message will be about this morning. Hope. Hope. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. We're gonna, we'll take up the offering at the end of service and uh, make some announcements. But, uh, and I may make some announcements while I'm preaching. Who knows? Anything's possible. But uh, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter. And while you're turning to that... Um, as I was thinking about this message several weeks now ago, months ago, the, uh, the thought, as I had written in the blog last week, the thought of, of things that remain, things that are staying, things that, that will hold on throughout, of e- throughout eternity, I was drawn to that passage by Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians, and where he talks, about, he talks about and kind of defines the word love. And at the end of that, he makes that statement. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love, and uh, guess what I'm going to be sharing on next week? Uh, Yeah, love. But uh, faith, hope, and love. And as I began to contemplate, and I began to think about this, you know, the Holy Spirit was kind of churning this away in my heart and my mind, I, uh, I began to realize, I began to think about the fact of what is it that will last for all of eternity? What three characteristics, what three qualities will there be in heaven, and what will last forever? Faith, hope, and love. All three of those things require something very important, and that is they require something greater than me. I need to have faith in something greater than I am. I need to have hope in something that goes beyond what I can generate or what I can do. And I need to love something beyond myself. The devil has been very clever over, the, over time and, and the centuries, and he, and he has convinced humankind that they need to have faith in themselves, they need to hope in themselves, and they need to love themselves and forget everything else. You don't need a religion, you don't need a God, you don't need anything but yourself. Now, how many of you realize that if you do that, you're going to live in a very lonely world? Do you understand that in hell, there will be no faith? There's nothing to have faith in. There'll be no hope. You're eternally lost. There'll be nothing to love because you will be there in your own darkness in your own nothingness, in your own pain and suffering. Now, on the other side, heaven, faith will be realized. We will have, our faith will be so empowered, God will be able to say, Pat, go check out that other universe just to see what's going on there. Well, God, I don't know if I could do that. No, she'll be, pew! gone. Because faith will be so empowered because we will see Christ. We will see God. We will see the the countless angels. We will hear the singing in heaven. We will be so empowered by our faith and that it's realized. Paul talks about it in his letters. Hope. Our hope will be realized when we get to heaven. The thing that I had hoped for is now real. 
I remember the day I, I prayed and I was hoping for, a, for like the perfect wife. And then I met Linda. And my hope was realized. So if heaven's anything like that, I'm good. I'm okay. Some of you are saying, well, I can't really say that. No, careful. Be careful. Hope realized in heaven. And love, oh my goodness. Can you imagine a world, a kingdom, where love is supreme? No one will cut you off in traffic on the golden streets. You'll probably never get anywhere because everybody will constantly be saying, no, you go ahead. No, really, you. No, please, you. You'll just be standing there for like a hundred years. No, please, you go first. No, you go first. And then they're going, no, you go first. And so you've got people standing there for ages. No, you go. No, you go. No, really, you go. No, you go. Love. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. And First Peter talks a little bit about this. Actually, he talks about all three things. But we're going to focus on hope today. If you have your sermon outline sheet there on the back of the bulletin, I want you to write this word, hope, H-O-P-E, down the left side, H-O-P-E. The four things I want to share with you this morning have to deal, or deal with the four letters of the word hope. And I'm hoping, believing, and I'm believing actually, that you'll, uh, you'll remember what I'm about to share with you. Before I get to that, um, I need to share a story that I received that is just, it's a great little story. It's called A Dog's Purpose. A Dog's Purpose. Being a veterinarian, I had been called to examine a 10-year-old Irish wolfhound named Belker. The dog's owners, Ron, his wife Lisa, and their little boy Shane, were all very attached to Belker, and they were hoping for a miracle. I examined Belker and found he was dying of cancer. I told the family we couldn't do anything for Belker and offered to perform the euthanasia procedure for the old dog in their home. As we made arrangements, Ron and Lisa told me they thought it would be good for, for six-year-old Shane to observe the procedure. They felt as though Shane might learn something from the experience. The next day, I felt the familiar catch in my throat as Belker's family surrounded him. Shane seemed so calm, petting the old dog for the last time but I wondered if he understood what was going on. Within a few minutes, Belker slipped peacefully away. The little boy seemed to accept Belker's transition without any difficulty or confusion. We sat together for a while after Belker's death, wondering aloud about the sad fact that animal lives are shorter than human lives. Shane, who had been listening quietly, piped up, I know why. Startled, we all turned to him. What came out of his mouth next stunned me. I had never heard a more comforting explanation. It has changed the way I try to live. Shane said, People are born so that they can learn how to live a good life, like loving everybody all the time and being nice, right? He continued, Well, dogs already know how to do that. So they don't have to stay as long. And it's just a little sidebar. There's a reason why cats have nine lives. <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just sharing an observation. Okay, sorry. Live simply, love generously, care deeply, and speak kindly. Remember, if a dog was the teacher, you would learn things like, when loved ones come home, always run to greet them. Never pass up the opportunity to go for a joyride. 
Allow the experience of fresh air and the wind in your face to be pure ecstasy. Wouldn't that be great to see people riding down the highway with their head out the window? (laughs) Their tongue going... Be awesome. Take naps. Yes, amen. (laughs) Stretch before rising. Run, romp, and play daily. Thrive on attention and let people touch you. Appropriately, of course. Avoid biting when a simple growl will do. (laughs) On warm days, stop to lie on your back in the grass. On hot days, drink lots of water and lie under a shady tree. When you're happy, dance around and wag your entire body. See, worship should not be a standing still experience. When you're worshiping, the Lord just touches you. You should be, literally, you should be. Now, people will think one of two things. Boy, that person's really happy, or they're going to get the seizure medicine. I mean, one of the, other, one of the two is going to happen. So. But I, what a great concept. What a thought. Be loyal. Delight in the simple joy of a long walk. Never pretend to be something you're not. Never seen a dog with an attitude? <laughs> they don't have attitudes. I'm not going to talk about cats right now. So, <laughs> If what you want lies buried, dig until you find it. When someone is having a bad day, be silent, sit close by, and nuzzle them gently. Dogs. They seem to understand this concept of hope better than we do. They just, you know, they're just, they're just kind of amazing. And uh, yeah, I realized, I, I learned some lessons, some good, some bad. Uh, Erica now has two monster dogs, Erica and Alex. Uh, Rocky is a Australian Shepherd Great Pyrenees mix. He's the size of Rhode Island. He's huge. <laughs> And then they have Prince, who is this giant Labrador retriever with a head the size of a small community. I mean, it's the biggest head I've ever seen on a dog. And they are, they're just amazing because they understand their function in life is to protect Erica and Alex and the, and the girls, the, my two little granddaughters. And when I pull into the driveway, as soon as they hear my do- as soon as they hear the car, the door slam or whatever, it's, I mean, I know right away that I'm not, if this is the wrong house, I'm leaving immediately because these dogs go crazy until they see me at the door and then everything's great. Everything's fine. They calm down immediately. They know that it's safe. Everything's okay. We recognize this big person, so we're good. He's okay. But if I were not recognizable, the barking would continue and they would simply do their job to protect uh, those that they love and care about. You see, hope is such a powerful force in our lives. Without it, you are destined to depression and death. But with hope, you are destined to life and joy and peace 
and the thrill of the experiences that God has for you. Even if, they're, even if it's a bad experience, there's still that sense of hope. I, I, you know, I just remember this amazing little story. These uh, two children were, they were doing some kind of a, a, an, not an experiment, but they were testing a, a philosophy. And so they found this one little boy who, who complained about everything. He was just negative, negative, negative. And they put him filled with brand new, expensive, amazing toys, electronics, everything. And he went in there and he looked around. He ended up breaking everything in there. Didn't like anything. Then they took another little boy who was just happy all the time. He was filled with hope and, and you know, just loved life. And they put him in a room ankle deep in horse manure expecting him, obviously, to become depressed. And they look in there, and he is dancing and jumping around and just having a great time. And finally, they open up the door and say, what are you doing? He said, with all this horse manure in here, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. That's the attitude of the Christian. The world simply says, this toy isn't any good. This isn't any good. This is no good. This is bad. This is bad. Life is unfair. Issues are terrible. Da 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 da. On and on and on it goes. But for the Christian, I'm just I'm just passing through. Life might be a life is a series of speed bumps. What do you do when you get to a speed bump? You slow down, you get over it, and you keep moving. Some speed bumps are higher than others. You know, some speed bumps are pretty high. You know, cancer, broken relationships. A death of a loved one, those that's a pretty high speed bump. But the grace of God will help you get over it and move on. Because see, someday the speed bumps are done, the road takes a turn and it goes straight up. That's the cool thing about it. And that's what hope does. It gives me the strength that I need to get over the speed bump and keep moving on. The letter H. Oh, let's read some Bible first. First Peter chapter 1. Beginning with verse 3, Peter writes these words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. New birth into a living hope. Turn over to chapter 3 real quick. There's a couple of verses I want to share out of that as well. Verse number 8, chapter 3. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Giving a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, the first letter in, the, in, this, in the four points is the letter H. And I want you to write down this. Hold on fast to the truth. Hope, hope is fueled by truth. Some people have placed their hope in absolute lies. They are hoping against hope that, that a lie is going to somehow become a truth. We have been here in the United States and around the world, many politicians, many political leaders, uh, try to offer hope. It is hope based on false foundations. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. When you ignore God, when you walk away from scriptural and biblical principles, you cannot offer hope to anyone. You can offer a theory, you can offer an idea, you can offer a, an opinion, uh, you can offer a ton of things, but you cannot offer them hope because hope lives breathes and functions purely out of the Word of God. It's the only way. It's based on truth. Truth. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It, that's the foundation of everything we're about. I, I hope, I, I hope, I have faith, I believe, Yea, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I have hope. Now, Peter mentions a couple of things that are true. He mentions a lot of things that are true, but I want to just focus on a couple of them. Hold fast to what is true. Okay? How do I do that? What's that all about? When someone asks me for the reason, the hope that is in me, what do I tell them? Well, I, I just feel like this is good. No. No. How many of you realize that your feeler can lie to you? Amen? You know, you can feel bad, but look good. You can look good, but feel bad. I mean, you know, your feeler is a liar. doesn't always tell you the truth. But, the Word of God always tells me the truth. What's the reason for the hope that is in me? Go back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Let's look at this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, God is merciful. Where would you be today without God's mercy? If God decided... 
God woke up this morning and he said, you know what, angels, I've been merciful for a very long time. I'm kind of getting tired of that. So today is Justice Day. We are done. God says, I am going to mete out justice on the earth. There's no place to hide. You're not going to make it to the moon fast enough. It's, it's done. But it's the mercy of God, God's mercy, that says, I'm going to continue to let it rain on the just and the unjust. I'm going to let my mercy continue to cover the, this planet and those that would cry out to, to me and those that would confess their sins and those that would accept Christ as Savior. I will continue to receive them. Mercy. God's mercy. There's a passage in the Psalms, I think it's the 31st Psalm, where David talks about how blessed it is to have your sins forgiven. I want you to, I, I read that passage many years ago, and the Lord just kind of dropped a, the power of being forgiven. And the Lord gave me this amazing picture, and it was this. Try to imagine. How many of you can remember the day, the time and place where you got saved? You remember that? At that moment in time, you knelt. Christ the Lord heard your prayer accepted your confession and repentance. And out of that, he accepted you into the, into the family of God. He then spoke to the Father. said, Father, Chris McClure, Dave Kunstel, Tom Grant, Fred Job, Jenny Kunstel, Diane Timmer, and so on and so forth. They have just prayed and accepted my death on the cross as payment for my sin. Father, would you accept that and allow their name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And God's answer is always yes. Then your name, having passed through the lips of Christ, comes to the ears of God. God the Father, the same voice that spoke this world into existence, turns to the recording angel and says, put Fred Job's name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He is now one of my kids. Your name, your name was uttered by the God of this universe. Think about that. Your name, because of the mercy of God, your name, echoed through the halls of heaven and was put in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, if that doesn't give you hope, then your hoper's dead. Mercy. Mercy. He goes on, he says, it's given us new birth. New birth. I love this. Do you know why? Because it's a do-over. Any of you ever need a do-over? I mean, more than every five minutes. But I mean, you know, oh God, I need a do-over. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I'm aware. I need another one. <laughs> yeah, I know, I need another one. You know. But see, God's mercy has opened up this door to this new birth, and that's the do-over. In golf, we call it a mulligan. In Scotland, it's called three. 
golfers know what that means. But anyway, it's a do-over. It's the opportunity to try again, to do it again. And that's the beauty of the grace of God, his mercy. This new birth, I get to, I get to start life all over again. My past life is gone, and I can now stand before God, and I get to be his son, his daughter. I am grafted into the family of God. I have a brand new family tree. I have a brand new heritage. I have a brand new past. I have a brand new family. I have a brand new future. I have a brand new life. That's what hope is all about. It's this new birth. And we are born into this thing called a living hope. A living hope. It's alive. It just it pulsates with, with excitement. It pulsates with possibilities and, and potential. And it's all about this amazing truth that God has given us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Another truth. Do you realize that all the other religious leaders, all the other great thinkers, all the other, you know, those that of days gone by, they are dead. Dead. News flash. Muhammad is dead. Buddha, dead. Confucius, dead. All the other all these other great thinkers and wannabe thinkers and what and whosoever's and whatsoever's. Dead, except for one. Except for one. Jesus Christ is not dead. He is in heaven interceding for you. Your name is being uttered in the courts of heaven on a regular basis. Why? Because he has risen from the dead and we don't have to worry about death. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in the truth of what this book tells me. It's the resurrection. And then he says, I have an inheritance. Ooh, I like that. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Inheritance. And this inheritance is not measured in, in dollars and cents. You couldn't put a, how do you put a price on that? How do you put a price tag on what, you know, I don't think there are any accountants in heaven. I don't think God worries about whether, you know, our, you know, the balance sheet is working out this month or, you know, if we're, you know. I don't think there are going to be taxes to pay in heaven. No rent. No utilities. No, you know. So, yeah, if you need money, you go out in the front, you go out in the street and pry up a piece of pavement. And then you present that and they go, what? We don't take pavement here for payment? Put that back. Want to get in trouble? It's a whole different concept and it's a whole different idea. Inheritance. Eternal life. What an amazing thought. What a, what a great idea God had when he put this thing together. Amen? My hope. Hold fast to truth. The letter O. Hope overcomes the lies of failure. Hope overcomes the lies of failure. Now, anybody here ever failed? Anybody, anybody raise your hand. Just, have you ever failed? Okay, some of you have never failed, and I'd want to meet you later, but that's good. I'm encouraged by that. You need to change your name to Jesus if, while you're at it, but... Failure, it's just a part of life, right? You know, we... As babies, just tried to walk, pff, fell down. Oh, you're a failure. Don't ever try that again. You imagine the number of people be crawling around today as adults. They 
didn't overcome that, the lie of that failure. You see, I, I heard a great statement last night. Someone shared this with me. They said, failure is an event. It's not a person. Failure is simply an event. You have experienced failure in your life. So what? So what? God, if God was going to count our failures against us, no one would ever go to heaven. No one. Not no one. No one. I, heard, I read somewhere that, that Thomas Edison, before he discovered the light bulb, ran through, I think, 10,000 failed experiments. And some genius asked him, so uh, what did you learn through all those failures? Well, I learned 10,000 things that don't work. Duh. Wow, that's amazing. You see, failure is simply the opportunity to try again. Failure simply says, hey, let me try that again. Let me do that again. Let me, let me try that again. Let me, let me see if I can do that better the next time. We have to overcome the lies of failure because the, the enemy will come to us day in and day out and remind you of your failures, right? Isn't that what he does? Doesn't he just do that on a regular basis? Why are you a Christian? You fail all the time. Your language is awful. You fall back into your bad habits. What's the point? Why don't you just give this up? Why don't you just quit? And that's where you are allowed, with my permission, to tell the devil, shut up. You're a liar. I don't need to listen to you, and that's it. How many of you realize that there are people that apparently work for the enemy? Right? Have you met any of those? It's like, I think they work for the enemy. They are satanic consultants. That's kind of a heavy word. Let's not use that. They're just mean and nasty. And it seems like it doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what you have done. It's never, never good enough. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. They have the ability to find the speck of dirt you left behind. They can find the misspelled word in your 10,000 word paper that is perfect, except for that one little misspelled word. When I was a teenager, I used to, I used to sing quite often in church. And it seems like every time I would sing, somewhere in the song, I'd be doing great, and then all of a sudden, ah! as a teenager, don't sing in public. It's dangerous. But, you know, everything would be going along great. You know, God is so good. You know, the whole song is great. And so at the end, you know, all my friends go, that was really good, but thank you. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, that was pretty good, except for that one note. I know, I was, you know, next time they're going to be all that one note, so then, you know, there'd be nothing to talk about. But failures, issues, you know, people that pick, that pick and pick, they will steal you of your hope. They will convince you that you cannot do any better than you've already, than you've done. And what does God say? Forget the past. I want to do a new thing in you. And when God says that, hope starts pouring in. And you go, yeah, yeah. If God thinks I can do this, 
then I should think I can do this. And there are so many examples of people that overcame the lies of failure. Think of the life of Joseph for a minute. You imagine getting sold by your brothers into slavery? Well, first of all, getting thrown into a pit and being convinced that you're probably going to get killed. Then you're sold into slavery. You are lied about by Potiphar's wife. You are then thrown into prison. And you haven't done anything wrong along the way. That's the problem. And yet, in his attitude, it seems like there was always a sense of hope. Because he would just keep doing what he knew he should do. And God kept blessing that. Do you realize what it is that brings us, that fires hope? Repentance. Repentance is driven by hope. If it wasn't for hope, why would I repent? I would just die in my sin, right? But I have the hope, a living hope. I have a reason for hope. So I repent. And I can repent again and again and again and again. That's why 1 John 1 9 is in there. If I confess my sins, he is what? Faithful and just to do what? Forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that verse doesn't give you hope, then again, your hope is busted. So we need to work on that. But overcoming the lies of failure, and they surround us. People have an amazing ability to remember our failures. They don't always remember our successes, but they do. And that's, you know, I think maybe that's why we hand out plaques to people and trophies, so that they can remember their successes. God forbid that the day would ever come that we would start handing out plaques for failure We'd like, we'd like Jack to come forward today in our, in our uh, company meeting. Jack has been the worst employee this company has ever seen. And we would like to present him with a plaque. Jack, you are awful. I'd like you to hang this in your office. Let's hear it for Jack. Okay, Sally, we'd like you to... This, Sally is the worst typist we have ever had in this company. Sally, come forward. Now, words on your plaque are misspelled, just so you understand the importance of this. You are yucky. Thank you. What? It's almost like we remember these things and would give people plaques if we could. Why? Why do we do that? Because if I can make David look worse than I am, I feel better. It's not a challenge necessarily all the time, but, you know, what have I accomplished by doing that? Not a thing. Not one thing. But if I commit myself to the success of others, God will lift me up. I've seen it happen my whole life. I know how it works. Hope overcomes the lies of failure. The letter P, moving along here. The P, hope helps me plan for victory. I make a plan for victory. And now it's time for the commercial message. These, I think these are in your bulletins, the impact rallies. Some have already gone to them. There's one coming up on Thursday night. And I want to encourage you, go to this. But Pastor Fred, I don't know. Go to this. 
Plan for victory in your life. This impact rally for the Greg Lowry uh, harvest thing that's coming to Chicago, if you will plan, if you will go and take a few moments of your time and allow them to train you, allow them to fill you with words and power and the hope of leading someone to Christ, like I said last week, how many of you would like to lead somebody to Christ before the end of the year? How, would you, how many would like to lead a lot of people to Christ before the end of the year? Our church will grow if we lead people to Christ. Because they will become your friends. And then they will follow where you go. Because you will tell them, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm going to church, come with me. These will fill your life with hope. These impact rallies, this training will fill your life with hope. And it's not, well, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a theologian. I, thank God you're not a theologian. I'm not even sure what that means. No, you're just, you're a kid. You're one of God's kids. And God loves kids. And he wants more kids. And so I encourage you. And then before you leave today, I want you to pick one of these up. You're invited. This little flyer will do the talking for you. Just say, look, you know, God has laid you on my heart. I want you to come with me to a concert, to an event. I want you to hear some guy talk about God like you've never heard it talked about. I want you to check this out. Would you come with me? I'll buy you lunch, dinner. I'll buy you a new set of clothes. I'll give you spending money. I mean, whatever it takes. I'm not saying you have to do all of that. I'm kidding, okay? I'm just kidding. Unless you want to bring me, then we'll have to negotiate. But I want you to get one of these. I want you to take this with you. I want you to pray about it. I want you to put it on your refrigerator, and then every time you see it, say, God who? God who? God who? God who? And as sure as I'm standing here, the Holy Spirit will tell you who. Rest assured, God will not answer that prayer by going, I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm at a loss, I don't know. Pick anybody. No, somebody, somebody needs to have hope restored in their life. Somebody needs to understand the power of faith. Somebody needs to know what it means to be loved by God like they've never been loved before. Get one of these. Put it on your refrigerator or someplace where you'll see it. And then every time you look at it, say, God who? And let him tell you. Let him tell you. It'll be amazing. I mean, it'll be, I mean, it'll be so exciting by the uh, beginning of October to see all of our new friends showing up at church. Wouldn't that be fun? Would that be fun or what? Plan for victory. Plan for victory. God understands how the victory will be won, and God will give you the plan. Now, I would have loved to have been there when Joshua was explaining the battle plan for destroying Jericho. Sorry, people, here's the plan. We're going to march around this city once a day in total silence. Now, getting men, Jewish men and women to be quiet that long, that was the miracle, part of the miracle. No talking. No talking. Shh. Silence. All the way around the city. 
day one. Okay, folks, today we're going to do it again. All the way around the city. Today we're doing it again. All the way around the city. Okay, you know, by day four I would probably begin to wonder, Joshua, where is this going? How long is this going to be taking place? I have the plan. Don't worry about it. Five, day six, day seven. Today, ladies and gentlemen, new plan. Yes! We're going to walk around the city seven times. Ah! Seven times! Yes, seven times. And when we complete the seventh trip around, we are going to shout, at last, hooray. And then they shouted. Can you, can you imagine how amazing that would have been? for the shouts of these people. Because rest assured, the, the people of Jericho were probably up on the wall watching these guys march around the city. And I'm sure they were sharing their thoughts with them as they marched. But then Joshua says, now on the seventh day, on the seventh trip, we will shout and let God do his work. The shout came and God I don't know if he used his hand, probably just said, down. And the walls just went, And these were walls that were big enough for chariots to go flying around the top levels. These were huge structures. And they sank into the ground. The Israelites marched in and took over the city. There was a plan for victory. Now that plan, in the general sense, doesn't make any sense in the whole world. I mean, what a ridiculous plan. Almost as fun as Gideon's plan of destroying a hundred Midianite soldiers with a pitch, a, a pot, a candle, and a trumpet. I, again, I would have loved to have been there when those plans were shared. But you see, God's plan for victory in your life may not coincide with your plan. Right? That can happen. And so the issue is, what is God's plan for your victory? I guarantee Part of it is this impact rally. Part of God's plan for victory for us as Christians is to bring someone to Christ. It will set your world on fire to see a friend weep their way to the cross, to, to be set free from, from... How many of you have been, were set free? When you got saved, you were set free from habits in your life, stuff that you needed to get rid of. Fortunately... It's really a good thing that I was saved at the age of 10, because had I been allowed to run free all those years without salvation, it would have not been pretty. I can't imagine myself under the influence of something other than the Lord. That would just be not good. I could have been a scary sinner, for sure. Plan for victory, and then finally, the letter E. Expect to win the battles of life. Don't just plan something and then say, well, I don't know if that's going to work after all, and then forget about it. Expect to win. Expect people to respond to your invitation. You know, expect them to come. Expect when you hand them this invitation that they will respond. Now, someone, someone might say, well, no, I can't make it. Well, it's three nights. Can you make one of those nights? Nah, I don't think so. 
Okay, I'll be praying for you. How about you? Can you come? How about you? God, that who didn't work. Give me another who. Give me another one. Who? God, who? God, who? Expect to win. Expect to see people respond. Expect. Expect good things to happen. How many of you expect bad things to happen? Eh, be honest. Have you ever said this? Oh, I know this isn't going to work. Good plan. That, that's good. You know, make sure you spend a lot of money getting ready. And go, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'm just sure this is going to fail. Good. Yeah, say it out loud a couple of times. That will encourage you. Oh, this isn't going to work. Do not, under any circumstance, as I shared last week, do not go up to someone and say, you don't, want to, you don't really want to go to this, do you? Okay. I didn't think so. You don't want to get saved, do you? Oh, okay. I didn't think so. You don't want to go, do you? Okay. <laughs> Hello? Why do we do that? Yeah, it's some guy's coming from California. He's going to be preaching. You know, it's going to be saints. It's kind of a religious thing. You don't want to go, do you? Yeah, sell it. That's it. Sell it. Let the Holy, give the Holy Spirit a chance, okay? Give Him a chance. Say, I, you know, I'm going and God laid you on my heart and I just really, really would like you to come with me. I'll pick you up, we'll go together, it'll be great. It'll be awesome. Can't, would you come with me? Check it out. You know, just, just go there and take a look at it and then tell me what you think. You know, after it's over with, and take, you know, take them out to eat or whatever and, and just sit down and say, so tell me what you thought. What did you think of all that? What do you think? Give them an opportunity to at least be exposed to the most powerful, life-changing, exciting opportunity for faith, hope, and love they will ever experience on this amazing planet. Amen? Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Expect to win the battles of life. Turn with me now to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I'm going to close with the reading of this psalm. Instead of a story, I want to share with you a passage of Scripture that just, it literally pulsates with hope. The whole passage just has got hope just pumping through it because it's all words of encouragement. It's all words of strength. And David wrote this psalm. Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. It's the psalm of hope. It will carry you through every discouragement. It will carry you through every situation. It will carry you through every issue. You know... You know, you may be struggling financially. Doesn't mean, well, I'll read this psalm and then the publisher's clearinghouse people will show up. No, that's not how it works. God will provide for you. But you have to tell him what you need and you have to share it with the family. Let people know what you need. Let them know what you need. And then also let them know what you have. Let people know what you can share with others. It's a great life. It's a great family. This, is a, this church thing is a great thing. And I just encourage you to have hope. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. We uh, still have a little bit of business to take care of with the offering and so on. But before I close, I want to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you very simply, if, if you're here this morning and, and hope, or life rather, not hope, but life, life has gotten tough. It's been challenging. And you would just like a special prayer. You don't need to come forward. You just, if you just want to stand where you are, just say, Pastor Fred, just agree with me in prayer. I need an anointing of hope today. If that's you, just stand up where you are and I'll agree with you in prayer and we'll pray. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning that you laid on my heart this message of hope. For Father, there are days and times and things and issues at times that come, and they kind of want to steal that hope. But Father, thank you that that has not happened. And now I pray for my brothers and sisters that are standing this morning. Father, I pray